0: Uh, hey, everyone. Uh, this is my first podcast and um i I actually do not have a name for it yet, so uh, we're gonna figure that out soon. But uh, this is mostly gonna be about sports um uh, college football, NFL, college basketball, and regular basketball. Um, we might expand to some MLB if uh, that season when when that season comes around and get into that. but for right now, with bowl season happening and um, NBA being in the peak of uh, its prime right now, um, especially with a lot of teams like the Warriors and Suns having some pretty good records and playing some tough games, uh, we're going to go over some recaps of uh, games that have happened this week so far, starting off with the uh, some of the bowl games in college, which have been pretty good. Uh, we're going to start with the college football playoff, uh, of course, with two big blowouts with uh, Cincinnati and Alabama. Starting with the Cincinnati-Alabama game, um, Bryce Young, um, I want to talk about him for a minute. He actually had a decent game, but watching, it's probably one of his least productive games. He threw 28 passes, completed 17 of them for 181 yards, throwing three touchdowns uh, and one interception. But watching, watching the game, he was not as productive as he was even in the Georgia game, which is rare for him, but the Alabama offense was mostly carried by, uh, their, their starting running back who hasn't been a huge factor this year, but it's been playing pretty good. Brian Roberts uh, Robinson Jr. He ran for 204 yards around that on like 26 carries. He had a great game. Um, watching the game, his explosiveness especially against Cincinnati, just they just couldn't stop them. And the Cincinnati offense, especially um, their, their receiving core, just couldn't get it going. Uh, Desmond Ritter, I'm pretty sure his name is. He was in the Heisman conversation all year, but he just did not perform. He only had 177 yards, no touchdowns thrown, and his offense ended up scoring six points. So compared to what they've done this year, just not as – dominant as they have been and of course they're not going to be against a a stacked alabama team with five stars all around on the defensive end and mostly seniors with a lot of college football playoff uh experience because they've been there like every year uh for 20 years uh but moving on to the georgia michigan game michigan has been looked at all year as the top running team in the nation. Haskins, who is supposed to be their top running back, carried the ball nine times for 39 yards. And that is very poor, especially for a great rushing team like Michigan. I'm pretty sure their top rusher was Haskins. And then right under that, it was their backstring quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, who watching him and knowing that he's going to be taking over the Michigan offense he did not impress. He he did throw for 131 yards in a touchdown, but his, some of his passes were very inaccurate. And I understand he's a young player, but he really needs to improve before he can get any real playing time and put Michigan on his shoulders and carry him to a good record next year. Um, McNarma, on the other hand, struggled. He very much struggled. He is a junior, so jj mccarthy might have to wait another year to play but mcnarma threw two interceptions and 106 yards and 19 attempts um so both sides of their offense was just terrible and their defense could not hold georgia and watching the game hutchinson's who's projected to be the number one overall pick just didn't have the explosiveness that he's had most of the year. Um, kind of looked like the Michigan State game where Kenneth Walker ran for five touchdowns and he had nothing to do with anything. But Michigan kind of gave up in the end. And uh, this podcast is going to be very biased towards uh, Michigan State because they are the team that is liked here and not Michigan. So we're going to try to keep that under under um, a good fair, fair reasoning. But uh, most of the time, they're not going to be liked by me. So on the other side of the ball, Georgia. <sighs> I I really agree with keeping uh, Stenson Bennett in. He had a great game. He's a senior undrafted, or not undrafted, but he was um, a walk-on to Georgia. And uh, a lot of people didn't want him playing because of the five-star prospect they got from usc i think it was um but he had like insane numbers this game he had 300 and something yards i'm pretty sure it was like 313 three touchdowns and 20 completed passes out of 30 attempts the rushing game wasn't completely there but who needs it when you have a quarterback that's doing that um james cook was their leading receiver uh, he had a pretty good game with 112 yards on four receptions and one touchdown. He is a very good deep threat. Now, going back to Michigan for a second, um, their tight end, last name is like All. Um, Eric All, that's what his name is. Uh, he he looked pretty good. On third down conversions, he came in big. I think he was that one kind of bright spot in uh, their offense. And next year as a senior, I think he can really shine in a position that'll help michigan um but now moving on to some of the other uh probably new year's six Bulls. uh we're gonna go to uh, the ohio state game which actually took uh, place today they played utah i watched about four minutes of this game and saw ohio state throw like a 50 yard passing touchdown and then right after that they kicked the ball off to utah utah ran it back for a touchdown ball comes back to ohio state and they they throw for a touchdown and then ball goes back to utah and utah has a quarterback sneak pretty much to try to get a first down on fourth and one at the 50 yard line their quarterback runs for a touchdown because ohio state missed all the tackles and it was just an insane game but i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna trail back to the uh Michigan game with 34-11 was the final score. Georgia on top. Alabama 27, Cincinnati 6. So that's the final score. So we're going to have a Georgia-Alabama final uh, going back to their SEC uh, championship game. Uh, But back to the uh, Ohio State game. Ohio State's offense in the first half didn't really start clicking until the second quarter. Uh, C.J. Stroud, great Heisman candidate, did throw an interception, but he had 573 yards and six touchdowns. Whenever you see that stat line, it's just it's just impressive. But even um, the uh, Utah's quarterback, uh, Rising, this is his last name, Cameron, he had two touchdowns, and I think he left the game with an injury, I think, in the fourth quarter. But he was also their leading rusher with 11 carries, 92 yards and a touchdown, uh, including that 50-yard touchdown run he had in the second quarter on fourth and one. But I don't know the backup situation in Utah with quarterbacks right now because they put in Barnes who's their backup I don't know how many plays or snaps he went through. he was two for two um which is fine, but a little late in the game because I think Ohio State took a seven point lead late in the game and ended up winning three by uh 48 to uh, 45 now another very bright spot in um, Ohio State's offense. I cannot pronounce his last name. But his first name is Jackson. And then it's Smith and then N G I G B A. I cannot pronounce that. But that kid is outstanding. He is a very good wide receiver. And he caught 15 passes for 347 yards and three touchdowns. And Utah's defense is not a defense that... You can look over and be like, oh well, of course they're gonna throw for that. He just totally ripped off like two fifty yard plays in like five minute span for touchdowns. He did he did fumble once right before the goal line, which was probably the one dark spot in his entire day. But otherwise, he had a great game. Um, I think that was the Rose Yeah, that was a Rose Bowl. So another Highlight from that game, Utah's uh, logo on their helmet with the Rose going through it. That was a great touch. That was probably my favorite part of the Rose Bowl game. Now, moving on to to also today, not a New Year's Six Bowl, but a very fun game to watch was Kentucky and Iowa. Kentucky, in the last 104 years, have had two 10-game winning seasons, and that's been the last four years. They ended up beating... 15 Iowa, who I thought this year played decent. Now, watching the Big Ten championship against Michigan, they did not have a great game, but uh, you just look over that. The rest of their season's been pretty good. Defense has been, I thought their defense was really good, but when your quarterback throws three interceptions, you can't really get your offense going. Now, they had a bright spot in uh, some of their wide receiving core. their top wide receiver had seven receptions, 122 yards and a touchdown. But their rushing game, 98 yards. So it was kind of split with only six and carries. So that's a, good, that's a good rushing game. But then on the other side of the ball, you have um, Kentucky with a rusher that has 170 yards and a touchdown on 20 carries. And then a wide receiver with 170 yards on 10 receptions. When an offense is that dual threat, you can't really make a game plan for that. And I think Kentucky did a great job catching Iowa on their defensive flaws and taking what 20 points on them, which is, it wasn't great, but it was enough to win, especially with the three interceptions by Iowa's quarterback. Um, Another big 10 team, uh, Penn state lost to Arkansas today. Arkansas of what I seen had a pretty good game. Penn state's offense after about the first quarter was just terrible. They had a lot of terrible plays. They had a trick play on fourth down in the red zone where they set up like five wide receivers to the left side of the field and then didn't even have their quarterback in to throw the ball. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Because if you're gonna try to go for it on fourth down, try to make a play where your quarterback can throw the ball instead of a kicker or whatever position that guy played. Because, I mean, Sean Clifford is a pretty good quarterback. He's not... He's not a Bryce Young, uh, Heisman candidate or C.J. Stroud, but he's a good quarterback. He, he did throw two interceptions today. That Arkansas defense is nothing to be looked over, but um, Arkansas's running game is really what carried them today, especially their quarterback. Their quarterback only threw 19 passes, 98 yards he had, but he completed 14 of those 19 passes, but he threw an interception. Their leading uh, return, uh receiver, I mean, sorry, had 33 yards. Which isn't a terrible game for a guy like like on the Arkansas team that a quarterback only throws 19 passes, but like the the quarterback position today has changed so much into a, a dual threat position to where you can put a running back there that throws like does 19 passes in a game and rushes 20 times in 110 yards and a touchdown. Like, your quarterback should not have more rushing attempts and more rushing yards than your running backs. But, like, even on the other side, Sean Clifford had 46 yards on 12 carries. But at the same time, that's not really Sean Clifford's fault because his running backs today did not do a wonderful job. I mean, but 12 carries is a lot to where you can't really do anything about that. Now... The next running back in line for the um, Penn State Nittany Lions, that's their logo, had five carries, 28 yards, and there's another one, four carries, 35 yards. The rushing game just never really got on point to where they could do it consistently, and I think that's why they only ended up with 10 points. But um, another New Year's Six game bowl that took place today, very good game, the Fiesta Bowl with Notre Dame and Oklahoma State. Notre Dame having their new uh, head coach in line since uh, Brian Kelly left for LSU. Did a pretty pretty decent job. Um, first half was where they really shined. Uh, and then Tay Martin, uh, wide receiver for Oklahoma State, was a very big uh, red zone threat. I think he did a great job getting spacing and running his routes today. But um Spencer Sanders uh for being a running back son of Barry Sanders he he also had like that 17 carries 125 yards which it just seems like a lot for a quarterback to be very dual threat but if if your quarterback can run for 125 yards and then also throw 51 passes uh 34 of those which were complete for 371 yards and four touchdowns that's a dual threat kind of quarterback that can be very effective. But when it's like they throw 19 passes and you can't get your passing game going because your quarterback's taking too many runs, that's when it gets to be a problem. This kid has really improved over the season, taking Oklahoma State to be the number 19 and then beating a Notre Dame team. Which is just impressive because Notre Dame teams are usually pretty defensively loaded and have very good teams. And scoring 37 points on that defense is a big uh, kudos to the Oklahoma State offense. Now, another wide receiver on Oklahoma State that deserves some praise is definitely the one who led in receptions, which was not actually Martin. It was Presley. Presley had, I think 130 something yards, 137 yards on 10 receptions, but didn't have a touchdown. Now, he ran a lot of routes that were mid mid routes, and he, on like two of those plays, had so much spacing because of the ways he can step off a defender. that It's just impressive to watch. It's an NFL caliber wide receiver that we haven't really seen this year that can, I think, make a big impact for a team in like a second or third round draft decision that he, well, the second, third, probably be a little early, but that can definitely be a, a very helpful player to some of those teams that need a wide receiver too, that can just create spacing. He kind of reminded me of ai would I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Jalen Waddle because Jalen Waddle is a lot of uh, slant routes and short stuff like that, but more of a Trying to think of a midterm route guy, but I can't at the moment. I'm kind of a, a Julian Edelman per se. A slot wide receiver that can get you a 10 to 13 yard catch every play and play something like that. Get your first downs, stuff like that. But uh bowl games yesterday, which would be uh New Year's Eve, before the the college football playoff there were games that i personally enjoyed more than the college football playoff games that are like i don't know how to describe it but just when you they're more fun to watch the college football playoff games what i have found out is that you have the teams that go there every year and then just destroy destroy the one or two lucky teams I get in, like what I think kind of Michigan and Cincinnati were. Cincinnati was not lucky with a thirteen-o, but they're not a they're not a power five team. They don't they don't really have the same caliber of play as an Alabama or a Georgia or even Michigan. If it was Michigan, Cincinnati, I still think Michigan would have won that game by probably twenty points. But I just I struggle with the the non-power 5 conference teams being in in that game against a team like Alabama. Now, don't get me wrong, they did they did hold their own. Especially thinking about how they were 14 point underdogs and they also had to play Alabama. Alabama will forever and always be a team that you'll see every year in the college football playoff and they will not lose to a team like Cincinnati. Now, moving on to my favorite game, the Peach Bowl. Now the Peach Bowl featured Michigan State Spartans in Pittsburgh. Now the Michigan State Spartans were without Kenneth Walker declaring for the NFL draft. Kenneth Walker was the heart and soul of that offense. Even though you have players like Jalen Naylor and Jaden Reed at wide receiver. And even Trey Mosley. Trey Mosley is a wonderful wide receiver that can do great things for us on third and second down. And Peyton Thorne even. He's a good quarterback. Um, who did He did struggle in that game though. But without Kenneth Walker, there's so much focus on our passing game that we could not get any of that started. Pittsburgh was without Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett is a good quarterback. I will give him that. I've watched some of his games this year, and he is very impressive. But with the way that their second quarterback got hurt on that uh, touchdown run, broke his collarbone. um I really I really struggle with how Michigan State played because having having a team like Michigan State who's been doing really good this year, but then having another team like Pittsburgh, who has a great receiving court with um, Addison, Addison, who also had a pretty good game. Michigan State should have pulled away in that game and won by a lot more than ten. T- Twenty-one to thirty-one is a is a score that should have been a lot wider in margin. And the only reason it was thirty-one is because of a pick six in the last minute of the game. Pittsburgh had his a drive and they were in like inside the forty-yard line trying to get a field goal, but then their quarterback threw a pick to. Uh, can't remember his name. He ended up getting the uh, um, MVP of the defense for the game, uh, number 27. That's I just know that's what his number is because he's been playing pretty pretty well all year for a linebacker in Michigan State. But he dropped back in coverage, picked him off, and ran back for the pick six. So it would have been a three-point game, and Pittsburgh could have even tied it. But with Michigan State's past defense this year, who have struggled all year, especially against high-powered teams, you have a third-string quarterback in. Uh, bevel uh, I think that was the third string quarterback they ended up putting in because Patty got hurt in the first or second quarter Or no it was, it was the first quarter on a rush but Addison had one carry for 28 yards and then seven catches for 114 yards with a 52 yard pass with one of them With with a backup quarterback that's just so impressive to where you can't not take notice of that and then the michigan state offense peyton thorn thrown 20 uh, 29 of 53 touchdowns in one interception watching him in that game he missed a lot of passes by overthrowing re- receivers under throwing receivers he was in constant duress of uh pressure all night by the pittsburgh's defensive line but he did not impress in that game and i think that he needs a lot of improving but then again that's where it comes back to Um, Walker, Kenneth Walker, who I personally think could be a, a late first to early second round pick. Simmons and Collins in the backfield combined for 22 carries. And I think it ended up being they got 38 yards total. The rushing game was never there. And the only bright spot that I personally saw in our offense was Jalen Naylor. Reed Reed had two touchdowns on third down 50-50 balls. He is amazing at catching 50-50 balls. But I think that Connor Hayward had a very underrated game with five touchdowns, 37 yards, or no, five um, receptions, 37 yards and a touchdown, sorry. He, in the moments that he was needed, he performed excellently. In his senior year, getting transferred from a running back to a tight end, he really improved and showed some great, like, sparks of a a true good senior player. And I think he was the reason that Michigan State won that game because when we needed a little spark, he gave it to us. On the um, fake punt, he was the one that got us the first down and the touchdown at the uh, end of the game to try to – I think we got up by um, three at that point – no, on defense, Halliday was the name I was looking for earlier, number 27, who got that pick. He had 11 total tackles and a touchdown. He performed amazingly just to, uh, despite even the touchdown, which of course is great, but he performed awesome otherwise than that. Now, moving on to another game that I watched, the Wake Forest Rutgers, Rutgers game, because uh, Big Ten is a big thing here in the Midwest, but... um. Rutgers did not belong in that game at all, and that's all I'll say about that. Wake Forest beat them 38-10. to 10. They showed signs of light at the beginning of the game, but at the end of the game, they just did not deserve to be in there. Um, Central Michigan winning against Washington State, very big underrated win. I think that Central Michigan deserved to win that game with how they played. Their quarterback as well is a bigger guy who isn't, isn't a top tier talent, but I think is good enough to get the job done. Cincinnati or um, Central Michigan just has a good all around team that I think can do good things in the long run. But uh, going back to December 30th, taking a look at the Purdue game, Purdue played beating Michigan state this year was one of their very big wins, especially when Michigan state was undefeated. So Purdue took Tennessee and had a fight to the end and I think that's something that Purdue should be known for is fighting until the end because they have a great football team and they deserve to have a little bit more recognition on how they play and I think that the way that Purdue plays is just outstanding and they are a great team. Maryland also in the Big Ten winning 54-10. I think the Big Ten went 6-4 and and six and four in bowl games this year which isn't, which isn't terrible but is not good. We did not have a good uh, day today, January 1st um, definitely wasn't our top top moments. But going back to the, uh, the Alamo Bowl, that was a bowl game that I had high expectations from with Oregon and Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a team that struggled early in the season with uh, quarterback and Spencer Rattler that they thought was going to be a top prospect. Same thing with North Carolina though with uh, Sam Howell. Sam Howell disappointed this year as well. And I think North Carolina lost Their bowl game is two, and they just, I think they ended up with six wins on the season. They did not do well. I think Oklahoma found a great player in um, Cameron Williams. Cameron Williams is a player, Caleb, sorry, Williams is a player that I think can take them very far in the future. If he stays till his junior year, I think that they can probably go to the college football playoffs again. In a way, because Throwing for 242 yards and three touchdowns. He still has that um, the young inexperience in him. But um, the rushing game was on point two. Brooks, 14 carries, 142 yards and three touchdowns. When you score 47 points in a game, especially against a team like Oregon with uh, a pretty good defense and the projected like number two pick uh, with their D end. It's it's a, it's an impressive win, and I had very high expectations for that game, and they definitely met him. Uh, it was a back and forth game, even though the deficit at the end was what fifteen point or fifteen points. I th- that it was still a good game, and it went back and forth, and it felt like whenever Oregon tried to kind of surge back, Caleb Williams and the Oklahoma Sooners offense kind of took control again. Now, one of my favorite trophies in bowl games, the Cheez It Bowl, Clemson with uh the way they played this year definitely disappointing um especially once they were expected to go back to the college football playoffs like they have the last three years I ended up winning against iowa state 20 to 13 uh not a great offensive performance but i think it was it's definitely good enough to get the win with iowa state and um yeah I, th- I thought that was a great game too uh big 10 team again minnesota 18 west virginia 16 um uh, Again, not a great uh, offensive game, but it it was fun watching the defense going back at it. Now, we are going to flop sports. We're going to go to the NBA. Um, It's going to be brief on the NBA. Um, Watching the postponement of games has been scary uh, to the NBA season and thinking about what happened with the bubble and everything, but um, some high points and like fun things to watch this year have definitely be Harrison Barnes improving uh, his offensive game and defensive game, looking like a maniac on the court for the Sacramento Kings, as well as the Warriors. Um, The Warriors not only has Curry been playing really good, I think their young core deserves a lot of respect too with Kuminga. I think Kuminga is playing very well. Jordan Poole is playing very well. Um, But their defense has been outstanding this year they've had a couple bumps in the road against a couple teams that have just kind of shown a couple little um, problems in their defense and offensive schemes Uh, but that's okay that happens sometimes especially against teams like the 76ers that have uh, guys like Joel Embiid and even Seth Curry because Seth Curry has a little uh, chip on his shoulder from his brother but I think a team that's gone very very underrated in watching them play this year is the Utah Jazz. Everybody's been talking about the um, the Warriors and the Suns and how good their records are. The Jazz have only lost nine games. And Donovan Mitchell has been playing very well, as well as um, Rudy Gobert. And I think that that duo together has just been insane to watch because Rudy Gobert has a defensive talent that's, not like many others in the NBA, he's very wide and lengthy and can just get the ball and is surprisingly quick when you watch his first step on defense. On the other hand, Donovan Mitchell is just a fast, a fast player that can kind of get around the floor and on offensive fast breaks is just lethal. Uh, Continuing with um, more of a broad aspect of the NBA, I would like to think about for a second the Bulls and how disrespected I think that DeMar DeRozan was looked at before this season and how he's kind of shifted into people looking at him like the reincarnation of Michael Jordan. He has had an outstanding season. Um his points were games up and his rebounding has looked pretty good. Uh I think he's really kind of carrying that team right now. But I think a lot of people are looking over the fact of how Zach Levine is still the leader of that team. Uh, Zach Levine has been outstanding this year as well. And I think that once they get the trio of uh, Bucic, I think that's how you pronounce his name, he, uh, the center, and um, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan all playing together at the top that they can, I think that that's going to be the best part for the Bulls because the Bulls are the number one seed in the East right now. And that's surprising with how like how many teams in the East are performing well. I think the Nets are playing very good basketball. Um, Kyrie Irving, it might be returning soon, uh, depending on how his whole situation plays out. But Kevin Durant is playing at his MVP peak like he normally is. And um, that leads me to another topic. The Lakers. Uh, the Lakers are a team that i personally do not think has any team chemistry russell westbrick uh needs a little help he's been getting triple doubles been playing well lebron i struggle with lebron i think lebron helps the team he has very good stats you cannot dispute that but i don't think that he is helping that team in a way that can bring them together. That's the only reason that I do not think that the Lakers are doing well. Is because they're not together. And I think that LeBron is one of the main reasons and problems because of that. Um, Now, another LA team this year. The Clippers. They have done fairly well without Kawhi Leonard. Who was seen to be their star player. Paul George was getting kind of disrespected earlier in the season, and he has shown up in a way that can't be disputed. He's been performing for him, and I've always liked Zubak. Zubak has been playing pretty good at the center position this year, and as well as um, Terrence Mann has been a good role player off the bench, and I think that that, uh, those couple of players have been really helping him and not just all Paul George. But I think this shows the L.A. uh, Clippers that hey, it's not all Kawhi. You have some other players that are really helping your team. Um, I talked about earlier the 76ers. The 76ers, I think they're a good team. I think they're a better team without Ben Simmons. Uh, ben Simmons is not the point guard they need. I think Tyre- Tyrese Maxey is a better point guard that can help that team win games. With a center like Joel Embiid, I think having Ben Simmons kind of takes away from Joel Embiid and how good he is and I think it takes away from the team aspect too when Ben Simmons tries to satisfy what he needs to get done and Seth Curry is a great three-point shooter he's a great player on that team that serves a role that is desperately needed and I think with the combination of all those players they have a good a good team that can go deep in the playoffs and I think that the 76ers are going to be a team that people have to watch out for this year and not not in a way that uh, the 76ers have been watched out before but in a different way this time because i think their play style is a lot different without ben simmons and then to end to end today uh, i want to just kind of put out an unpopular opinion that i have about uh, ben simmons i think ben simmons the way he plays point guard I don't think he deserves to even be a top 32 point guard in the league. I think that on every team, there is a better point guard than Ben Simmons. If you put Ben Simmons at power forward, or even small forward or center, any of those three positions, he, you can probably have a top 20 in that position, maybe even top 10 if he's power forward. But the way that Philadelphia tries to use him at point guard, not only hurts Philadelphia themselves, but more hurts Ben Simmons because he is the one that's getting put in this position where Philadelphia thinks he can succeed, but it's just hurting him more because of his play style and uh, the way that he shoots the basketball, which is not good. And um, that is going to do it for today. So uh, thank you for listening and uh, see you next week.